Welcome to another edition of Making Money with Ron Hebert, the financial coach, a retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for decades. We are both fascinated by investing. He more so than I, obviously, because he made his living at it. I'm just a sort of a guy on the periphery that pays attention to these things. But I have never heard the term narrative stocks, Ron. That's a new one. You, you kind of got my attention with that. What exactly are narrative stocks? A narrative stock is a company that is valued on its ability to be disruptive, to provide social change, or to advance new beneficial technologies, to help the environment. And often these narrative companies don't really have much in the way of financials. They typically don't have profits. Uh, a lot of them have, don't hardly have even any sales. And it used to be that stocks that would grab the most investor attention were those that had a great growth story and a profit history to back it up. But in the current market, things have changed. Investors value companies today, and the valuation metrics they use aren't current or future profits. Instead, it's you know like their ability to be disruptive or to provide social change. And so the warning is that eventually real businesses have to make products and sell them for a profit. If they don't make money, eventually they just don't survive, whether they have a great story or not. And there's just so many of these companies out there, companies that are like WeWorks, for example, that was going to chain, revolutionize the workplace. Many of the companies in the alternative energy space and, and elect, uh, electric vehicles, for example, they don't make any money. And many of them are saying they don't know if they will ever make money. Um, you know, cannabis stocks. I'm just going to say cannabis stocks. Ago, they come to mind, don't they? Yeah. A definite narrative story. You know, I don't know of any company in that space that is consistently making, making profits. So, you want to be careful because many of the new issues that are coming to market are called SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Companies. And a SPAC doesn't have to tell you what it's going to do. It'll say things like, you know, we're going to, we're going to invest for the benefit of mankind. So they don't even have a business plan. It's whatever opportunity comes up, if a good opportunity comes up. And so investors are flooding into these things and pushing them to levels that are, I think, unsustainable because I think in many cases there's never going to be an ounce of profit that is going to be wrung out of any of the activities that they're doing. So that's why we're having this cautionary show. When you get these new issues for these SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies and concept stocks that immediately come out and jump five, ten, sometimes 20 times on opening, you have to be really careful. It's starting to remind me of 1999-2000 when you had the tech stock narrative. You could have companies that said they, they had a number of old beat-up vans and they were going to deliver pet food to, to local consumers. And the value of their assets might have been 100 grand but some of these stocks opened at $6 billion worth of valuation. Just crazy. And we're in those crazy times again. And when we get to be crazy, 
and in crazy times. It's just important to step back, take a few breaths, because in most cases, like on previous shows, we talked about it's not the money you make, it's what you don't lose. And so in times like these, you just have to be very, very careful navigating your way through the hype. So how do you know if you have a narrative stock? Well, there's many companies out there, especially in the alternative energy space, that, uh, frankly, I don't think they can ever survive without subsidies. So if you have a company that has subsidies and that provides it with the bulk of its cash flow, you have to be really careful. Governance have become much more active in recent years, bailing out businesses and sectors of the economy that can't make it on their own. Governments like to virtue signal. They like to tell everybody how they're supporting the environment. They like to tell everybody how they're supporting health care. And history just shows that if a business depends on subsidies, the jobs it creates aren't sustainable. And if a business is profitable, it doesn't need subsidies. An industry that depends on subsidies for survival is not a net source of jobs. Subsidies have to be raised through taxation, and the burden of taxes kills more jobs than subsidies create. Governments need to be doing their due diligence and, you know, only provide companies help that, uh, for example, in the pandemic, well, that's one thing. But long-term support of in industries that you think make you look good in the voting booth, you have to be very, very careful about those kind of companies because you want to own companies that have a long-term future. And how do you have a long-term future? You make money. You know, the one that, that pops into my mind, Ron, and maybe it's not a fair assessment, but Bombardier, I mean, look at how many times they've come to the government for help. Exactly. I mean, you can, you can come forward with all kinds of stories about all the great things that you're doing, but at the end of the day, if you can't make it on your own, um, then as an investor, you know, you have the option where you can stay away from that. As a taxpayer, we don't. If a company is supported by our tax dollars, well, we're just going to have to grin our, our teeth and bear it until the next election. But you don't have to buy these companies if you're an investor. Okay, companies that talk about they're going to save the world. <laughs> right? Here we go. And obviously that social message really resonates with uh, Generation Z, with the millennials, about all the wonderful things that they're going to do. But here again, as an investor, I mean, you might laud all the things that these wonderful companies can do. I save that for my charitable giving. And, you know, I donate to companies or, or charities that, that do wonderful things for society and for mankind. But when it comes to investing, you need to have companies that make a profit. You can't just uh, talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk. Okay, companies that focus on growing sales, but don't talk about profitability. And so many of these narrative companies, uh, Gord, they're always telling you about sales grew by 40% or 50% this year, but they continually have to go to the bank or they continually have to go to the government or they continually have to go to the stock market to raise capital because they, they're burning money almost as fast as, as they're being able to bring it in. So companies that focus on growing sales but never talk about profitability, 
And many of these companies, if you listen to their meetings, there's never any discussion. I mean, if, if I've got a startup company, and I get it, that it takes time for a startup company to be able to get enough product out the door or enough of its services out the door to generate a profit. And that can take one, two, three, sometimes even four or five years for that to happen. But if you're coming to the market and you really have no plans and you listen to their annual general meetings or you, you listen in on their quarterly reports, and there's no discussion whatsoever of ever making money, you want to head for the hills. Okay, what about companies that start up and then they say, oh, we got such a great idea here. Let's get somebody into our fold that does the same thing we do. We'll acquire that company. Well, here again, when your stock goes to the moon and there's no underlying fundamentals behind it, your stock can be a currency, and that currency can be used to buy other companies. So typically what happens with these companies that are narrative companies that don't look like they can ever make a profit, they, they sort of fill the void with white noise. They're always making acquisitions, and they never take the time to onboard one acquisition, go from acquisition to acquisition to acquisition, and you can never tell whether these acquisitions are accretive to the bottom line or not. And a good example of that was, you know, you go back uh, literally, cannabis companies came out and they achieved a extraordinarily high levels in their stock price. And once that happened, they all started scurrying around and, and uh, buying uh, the rights to, to grow in other countries. They, they, they started buying pharmacies. They started, they just were throwing money everywhere. And you look at all those acquisitions, and now if you tune in, to their quarterly uh, reports when they come up with their quarterly earnings or losses, they're writing down all these assets. You know, they spent $200 million on something and they write it down. Sometimes they write the whole thing off to zero. So when companies start going on acquisition frenzies, often it's a very bad sign because most acquisitions don't turn out. And frankly, when you've got two acquisitions uh, a company that's acquiring you and you don't make money and they don't make money, it's like two drunks trying to hold each other up, really. And so you want to stay, uh, you start seeing serial acquisitions. Time to head for the exit. Okay, so we've, we've poo-pooed a little bit of this narrative stock issue. Now, there must be a way to play them if you want to go down that road, right? Well, first of all, you have to recognize that you're not going to walk down the aisle with a narrative stock and, and uh, hold it till death do us part, like a marriage contract. You have to realize that the majority of narrative stocks go bust. And so before you even buy one, you have to realize this is not a buy and hold story. The trajectory of most narrative stocks is that they gain momentum when investors pile in thinking the theme or idea has enormous potential. And of course, then the upward price momentum seems to be a self-fulfilling prophecy for most investors and they just keep climbing on board, buying more and more stock or sitting with what they have. Eventually, it becomes common knowledge that profits are scarce or probably will never, ever happen. Everybody rushes to the exit, the thing collapses, and that's the end of the story. So you have to realize before you buy them that you're not going to be sucked in by the story. These are not buy and hold stories. These are trading stories. You buy them, you make a profit, you say 
goodbye. Okay, final note here on this, this particular subject is the strategy around narrative stocks. The one that makes you money is to, is to pay attention to news cycles maybe, right? News cycles are extraordinarily important. Of course, you know, you spent your career in the news. Yeah. You know better than every, anybody, Gord, how, how news cycles get people hyped up or get them depressed. And so in, they, they used to say if you're buying junior mining stocks especially, buy on rumor, sell on news. So if you hear the rumor that uh, this company is going to be doing big, big things, buy in the early stages. But if they're going to have a press release tell you how it's going, you might want to sell before the press release because often... Uh, it's bad it's, news. <laughs> often it's bad news. So you want to sell before big announcements, especially around quarterly earnings reports. Uh, like I say, these are like surfing. You ride it to the beach, you get off, and you do it again. You don't hang around, you, and you don't wait for, for, for an outcome because 99% of the time, the outcome is not going to be in your favor. So sell before big announcements, especially around quarterly earnings reports. That's the time to pay attention. Very much so. Okay, narrative stocks. We learned something today, something that you should pay attention to, maybe something you want to avoid. But if you do decide to go down that road, really focus yourself on what you're getting into because uh, it could go the wrong way in a big hurry. All right, Ronald, well, we got that out of the way. We're back again next week with another installment. Anything you want to tease us on there? Well, I think that uh, one of Canada's biggest problems for individuals is just the high amounts of debt that we carry. So we're going to devote one whole show to helping get debt under control, and that's what we're going to call the, the show getting your debt under control. So we're going to have a lot of helpful tips. So if you've made a New Year's resolution that you finally want to get yourself out of, off the debt merry-go-round, uh, this is a show that you really want to listen to. And very appropriately timed because a lot of people have gone down that road in the last year because of the pandemic. As you said, you know, reduced incomes, maybe out of work completely, and, and debt has accrued. How do you get back from under that when you have an opportunity to do so? So join us next week, another edition of making money you can uh, check us out at letsmakemoney.ca that's our website where all our shows are archived if we've teased you on something you think i wonder if there's any more on that go back and take a look maybe you'll find something helpful if you have a question you can get it to us through that site also through the cfcw.com portal where the show is also cataloged and ron's money minutes twice daily little helpful info bits that can maybe get you on the right track to investing on behalf of the financial coach ron hebert i'm gord whitehead thanks for joining us we'll talk to you next week